mistake or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. I love this. So are you in? Let's grow. God bless you guys. Have a seat. Man, while you're having that seat, uh, just, uh, just want to thank you, Ben and team. I, I, I like the new Welcome Home art that's behind us. That's, that's some pretty creative stuff back there. I, I'm glad you didn't have me do it because the, the lines would be going everywhere. But that's no wonder you keep me away when you do that kind of stuff. Uh, but, but hey, it's uh, so good to see you today. Also, just want to thank you for uh, those of you who've been a part of our Children's Ministry Challenge over the past, uh, really introduced this a little over a month ago. And Many of you guys have been have jumped on board and are part of it. We also we now have some brand new elementary children's leaders that are leading that back there. So go back and, and honor Cameron and Callie and Nicholas and Nicole and just say thanks so much for all they do. And and it's it, the best is yet to come with our elementary ministry, really with, with all of our children's ministries. And I just want to also update you on another thing here. As I mentioned last week about we were considering having police security on Sunday mornings, and we've decided to go ahead and move forward with that. We were in contact with the, the people that do... The, do that stuff for us and and so here probably within a couple of weeks we're going to see that become a reality so i just want to thank you guys for giving uh, because through your giving we're able to do that and provide really better security for you and for your children and your vehicles and everything i'm really excited about it it's just it's going to be good for us but it's it's going to be pretty awesome and and, and i know that the ladies are going to have fun here on friday night yeah i i you know i'm not quite sure where my wife is she's around somewhere but but i just got to tell this on her you, how many of you guys have seen the the john High schools in San Antonio, the 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 guys that went and 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 uh, plowed down the the uh, the ref. You guys have seen that or heard about that in the news? And yeah, that's my wife's high school. And and so so I, I got a little concerned because when I told her about that, I said, Yeah, did you see? This is your high school. And and she she said, Yeah, I did. And then she says, Go John Jay Mustangs. And I was like. Wait, 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 what are you saying? She said, oh, that's my school. You know, that's, what, are, what do you say? What can you say? That's my school. And so I don't know what the ladies are going to learn here or what you guys are going to do on Friday night. I just want to give you fair warning that if she's teaching you guys some crazy football moves, just kind of back off and say, hey, leave the John Jay stuff in San Antonio. This is Fort Worth. <laughs> hey, but have you, I've got a question for you as I start this new series called Abundance. Have you, any of you guys ever been to a restaurant called Golden Corral. Now, now, I tell you what, if you've never been, if you've never been, it has this allure. Uh, let me just tell you about it. For those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, it's like this American mega buffet. You pay and you eat whatever you want, how much you want, and you just stay there all day. And, 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 and really, it's been several years, but I took my family there one time, and, and, and we were traveling, and we were, we were in this little town in Oklahoma, and we were hungry, and it was late, and we had a lot of driving ahead of us, and, and uh, I'm going to move this back a little bit here. There we go. I, I, I was, it was just like, there, there just seemed like big, 
you know, we just needed to eat. And we saw this big sign. It was close to the road, like a golden corral. So in our innocence, we stopped and got out of the car and got in line. And we paid for our meals. And, and we saw there's just food steaming all over the place. And I'm like, this is, this is, this is great. And, and let me just tell you, if you've never been into a golden corral, you, you get into this unique restaurant, and the options just seem abundant. Yet on the other hand, when you start looking at the options, it seems like you have no options. And, and you're, you're excited at first, but, and then after a while, you just kind of realize that about 95% of the food that's on the buffet tables is stuff you'd never want to put into your body. But then, again, you paid, and you're obligated to indulge, and so there's this conflict. And, and then, and then you, you get the food, or... <sighs> Let me just be honest. Let's just call it food product. And, and, and you, you, you sit down and begin eating the food product that's there. And, and the quality, let's just be honest, it's less than desirable. And then you begin looking around as you're ingesting the food product. And you're, you're kind of realizing that th this whole thing is like about 5% off. But you're like, I'm not quite sure what's off about it. But it's, it's just... Yeah, but no, but I don't know. And, and, and it's, it's kind of funny because then we, as I sat down, I started kind of watching. And, and there was this, this, this feeding frenzy. And maybe it's just because it was Oklahoma. And I don't mind making fun of people from Oklahoma. They can't help it. But, but there, was this, there seemed to be this feeding frenzy of sorts that was going on because I know in Texas they would never do this. And, and it appeared that some people were like, like camping out at the Golden Corral. And, and it seemed like they were trying to make it their goal to get in as much time as they can and to consume as much food product as possible. And, and, then, and then all of a sudden, you, you, what, what happens to you or what happened to me is I felt like I'd stepped into this other dimension. I all of a sudden realized that I'm eating at a corral. And I know what a corral is. That's where they put horses and cows and huge troughs of food product. And at that moment, you know, something needs to change. And that's when you begin realizing there's nothing golden about this corral at all. <laughs> there's this abundance of food, but, uh, and truth is, nobody would starve at the corral, but there might be a few heart attacks at the corral. And, 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 and it's just like, why are these folks attracted to this? And, and I just want to say this. I, I would say it's because it appears to be an abundance but in reality, that's not the case. I mean, that's not even really true abundance. And in many ways, this is kind of the American perspective on abundance, and I seek to change that. Now, sometimes when we begin to look around, we don't see everything that we think is going to make our lives perfectly comfortable or pain-free or comfort-free or have our pantries overflowing with food. And so we begin to panic, and we move into this, this fear and this scarcity attitude of, oh, no, there's not enough. I mean, I, I saw that that day at Golden Corral. Um, there, was these two, there were these two men, and, and, and they began scrambling for the final pieces of fried chicken product. And, 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 and guy number one, he, he grabbed all four pieces that were there. I, I saw it. I was at the buffet. And, and, and guy number two, uh, you know, he didn't think it was fair. So guy number two says, Leave some chicken for somebody else. I mean, he said it like that. And guy number one said, I was here first. And, and the voices began to rise, and the standoff had begun. Now, I'm sizing the situation up. I'm going, I don't want to get into this mess. These two guys could take me down in a second, you know. I, I, you know, I can just squeeze out of here. So I did. I, I just, I took a carrot, and I went back to my seat. Like, okay, this is, and, and, and it's interesting, because in the midst of so much the scarcity mentality ensued, and they were fighting to see who would have the privilege of getting a cardiac arrest first. I mean, I mean that's basically what it was. And, and the truth is, 
we see this all the time, and in fact, we kind of do this all the time without even realizing it. I've heard a lot of fears recently about the end of the world. Someone is actually, for, some people have actually forecast the end of the world is going to happen on my birthday next week. Awesome, you know. Like, like Jesus is coming on your birthday. It's like, yes, he knew. He saved it from my day. That's it, that's it. And I was like, like, no, that's not going to happen. And again, if you guys read my weekly pastoral email, which I hope you guys do, and if you don't, well, too bad, you're lost. But, uh, but I've written extensively about that. But, but you know, we, yes, we should all watch the signs, but even more so, we need this to do what the Bible says. And one thing that the scripture says, this is important, is that it's always best when we live with an abundance perspective, no matter what happens in the world, with governments, with the economy, with war, with natural calamities. And in this series over these next few weeks, I'm going to encourage you to adopt this God-centered approach to everything that's happening in your life and what's happening in the world around you. And I, I'm going to boldly challenge you to resist pessimism, to resist the perception of lack, to resist fears, or any kind of what I call scarcity perspectives. And here's why. At the beginning of each one of our messages that I've shared this year, we've quoted the first three verses of Psalm 1. A lot of you have this memorized now. I, I loved it when the slides failed a few weeks ago, and we all said it anyway. I'm like, ooh, wow, that's pretty cool. We, we actually have this memorized. And, 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 and by the way, one of the, one of the reasons why we do say this is so that we will begin to memorize. I mean, if you say this about 50, 55 times through the year, you're, gonna, you're going to memorize that. And, and, and now I'm going to ask you to move beyond seeing it, saying it, even memorizing it, to actually believing what you're saying. Believe what you are saying. And when you say, I'm in, that means I'm in agreement with that. I want to grow. I, I want that in my life. And I'm going to ask you to adopt a life perspective that flows even from this passage. What, what the passage basically says is this. I'm just to break it down for you again. Is that when we lean into God, when we lean into his ways, his mindsets, his precepts, and and when we also get together with other believers, other followers of Christ, and we begin to listen to what God is saying instead of the counsel of the people who aren't serving God, and that's real important, especially right now, then we are blessed. I mean, guys, that's, that's good, right? Now, here, I like what it says because it goes on to describe the type of person that you will be. It says this. It says, that person is like a tree, Planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do prospers. So now I'm going to ask you to go beyond looking at it, saying it, even memorizing it, to believing it, and practicing this approach to life. And I want, to, I want you to practice this, regardless of who's burned you, regardless of what's happened in your family or what's happened on the job, regardless of what's going on with your bank account or what's happening with your car. For some of you, your school bills are so loud and screaming at you right now, you despise school itself. Some of you, your wedding bills are louder than the wedding bells, you know. And some of you, your, 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 your pantry might as well be converted into an extra closet because you don't have food in there like we'd like to have at the moment. The truth is, every one of us go through tough spots, and I've seen plenty. I, I understand that. But this is important, and this is a critical statement for all of us today. And here it is. We always have enough when God is our supply. It's, it, it, it's not really about the pantry. It's about God, the God of life, the God of you, the God of me. 
the God who is able to take care of you. And, and he will because you're his child and because you're serving him and, and you're doing his work. Now, the truth is, and you're going to see this in the scriptures, that if you're not serving God and if you're not doing his work, then that's pretty dangerous. So I recommend that you start today because that is simply the smartest, most secure thing you can do. Here's the promise. Take a look at it. Paul, he writes this to these believers in this ancient city of Corinth. And, and, and he's telling these Greek believers, he's saying, God is able, and this is a very prosperous city, God is able to bless you abundantly. In fact, many people say that Corinth is probably more like the United States of America than any other uh, area in that time. So I think we can get a lot from this. God is able to bless you abundantly so that, that's a critical shift there, so that in all things at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. So we really have to take a fresh look at this concept of abundance because if you're not having everything you, you want, but you are having everything you need, then you are actually in abundance. Uh, having, uh, it's really having everything that we need. That way we can do what Paul says. We can keep abounding in God's work, in his true work. Now, I'm telling you guys, that is true abundance. That's where there's no panic. There's no stress and fear and anxiety and no worry about provision, whether it's, it's provi- whether you need whatever your provision is that you need. Maybe you need security or love or peace or you need finances or food or transportation, whatever you need. God will provide that for you abundantly. A few weeks ago, my son and I, sons and I, for us, it was a very basic fundamental need. We needed water. I told you guys this the other day, but we were on this island and, and, uh, our water supply was running low, and it wasn't good. I miscalculated. I messed up. I was, I was leading. I was the leader, but I didn't do things right. So sometimes leaders make mistakes. But what we did is we all got together and we prayed. We asked God for wisdom. And then one of my sons said, I have an idea. Let's search the island for all of the half-drunk bottles of water that have washed up on the beaches. Because the beaches, you know, just, there's just... They don't clean those beaches out in the middle of nowhere. And so, so uh, we just started going out, and that, that, that's a good idea. We can take it back, and we can boil it. And, and so we didn't panic. We never panic. We didn't feel abandoned by God. There was no mutiny because the leader messed up. No, what we did is we just chose we're going to be smart. So we searched. We searched the island. And Ian and I got to the, this one area, to the, to the other side of the island, and, and we found this half case of water, most of which were unopened bottles. And I'm just telling you, that was pretty awesome. And... It really goes back to this, this right here. We always have enough when God is our supply. And the truth is, it was so interesting that day because the next day came around and we didn't, you know, that's when the storm effects of a, a tropical storm was in the Gulf and started messing with us. We didn't know what was going on because we didn't have phones. You didn't have service. And oh, I don't know what we're, what's going on. Everything kind of went crazy. It was very hard getting back. Uh, Though The waves had moved from like one foot surf to four to six foot surf. And it was a hard day getting out of there. And and, uh, and, and when we got back, I mean, we, we had been out of water for a while and we were very, very thirsty when we arrived at the place to to get water, but the truth is none of us were dehydrated, we had made it, and we actually had an abundance because God provided. Here's the truth. We saw God as our supply for a very, very, very basic human need. God supplied us, and I believe this, and this is not arrogance, this is the scriptures, 
because we're committed to God's work and because there's more work that God has for us to do. So we're talking to him. He's the God, our provider. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to supply for you so that you can accomplish more good works. Bam. You get it? That's what the Bible says. You see, look at this. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit, which means God lives in you. His power is in you, and he's given you his life. I mean, when you gave your life to Christ, he just poured himself into you. And therefore, Paul, he says this. He says, God is able to do immeasurably. Immeasurably? That's a pretty big word. That's a significant word. He is able to do but often he doesn't because of our lack of faith or, or our position or what we're doing or not doing. But God is able to do immeasurably more than all you ask for or even imagine. But it's according to one thing. It's according to his power that is at work in you. I've heard this taught before. It's like it taught as it's the amount of power of God that's abiding in you. No, it's not what's abiding in you. It's what's actually working in you and working through you. Again, so here's the concept of abundance from God. When his power is working in you, which means when God's power is at work in you, meaning that God is getting things done in this world because of you, because you're allowing God's power to work in you and through you, God is able to do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. I wanted to say, dang it, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> that is pretty cool. <laughs> I don't think we're supposed to say that in sermons. But, but here's the truth. We're always able to have enough when God is our supply. That's so cool. I want you to say this after me. Say this with me. Say, I, will, uh, say, I always have enough when God is my supply. Say it again. I always have enough. When God is my supply. Now that is the abundance perspective and that's how I choose to, to live and that's why I don't have to live in fear. Uh, this is important because our attitudes towards scarcity and abundance and these various aspects of our lives that actually greatly influences our success in just daily life. And, and I'll also be honest with you, it's not simple. It's not easy to live with a positive abundance uh, perspective, especially when people around you and uh, that you're surrounded by, whether it's at home or work or at school, where they're negative and they're uh, pessimistic and they're short-sighted and they're panicky and they're afraid. And it's so easy for us to do the same. That's why we come together so, so we can get together with some people that have this positive abundance mentality. You understand this? And, and I, sometimes I lean into that myself and I do it and then I hate it when I do that. And one of the things I learned to do is I use a counterattacks and, and I, what I strive to do is to starve the, the negative scarcity perspective in my life. You see, if I fuel it, it grows. If I starve it, it shrinks. And so really, let's take a look at what that negative scarcity perspective is and how it works. And I, a good picture of this is you're scuba diving. And let's say you and I, we're, we're jumping down, we're scuba diving, but my scuba tank starts to malfunction. And I signal to you that, uh, that uh, we need to share oxygen. I need to share with your tank. And suddenly, all of a sudden, this air becomes this precious commodity. And the scarcity makes us worry. And what if there isn't enough for both of us? And you're over there with your full tank, but now your heart begins to race and your blood pressure is rising because you realize that, that I'm going to demand some of your oxygen. And because of your panic state of mind, mind you're breathing and you're taking more oxygen in. And, and, and now you're more protective of your oxygen and you're less willing to share. And you're concerned that you're not going to have enough oxygen for yourself. And to make things worse, you're now realizing your dive is ruined and you're not going to get to see all the cool stuff you wanted to see. And now you're out of money. It was a waste of money. Your heart's racing. You're breathing shallow. And then 
Oh, but wait, 100 feet up, there's all the air you could ever desire. So share the air you have and go up for the abundance. Doesn't that make sense? See, that's the negative scarcity perspective of a situation. And under the influence of the negative scarcity perspective, if someone wins, then you have to lose. Therefore, you always have to be on guard. And what happens in that mentality, with that mentality, it keeps you from taking risks. It causes you to isolate yourself. It prevents you from doing God's work, which is what God blesses. It keeps you locked down in this state of fear. And when fear rules you, what happens is you back away. You make bad decisions. Even Preston shared it earlier. You, become, you can go and move into depression, and you're certainly not going to take any risks. And you move into this genuine, genuine position that now of unhealthy lack and you start behaving like the guys at the golden corral (laughs) why because you can't stand to lose even the little that you have and fear and anxiety and self-preservation they feed this negative scarcity mentality unfortunately i've seen many people turn away from god because they've adopted this into their life time money transportation even love becomes scarce and these mind games ensue and you begin seeing everything from this this life perspective this negative perspective that is actually very very dangerous because god promises abundance and he promises it to us but he doesn't promise it to everyone now if you've backed away from the basics of following christ which is what we teach here at city life you actually are putting yourself in a very dangerous situation i don't want that for you because all of our natural leanings is that it, it, it is that we want to learn how to to do that or actually we, we want to we want to do more of the scarcity thing but we've got to learn how to break out of that we need to lean into god and destroy these attitudes of fear and anxiety and self-preservation we need to starve the negative scarcity perspective Why? Well, it's very simple. Because we always have enough when God is our supply. Shift your thinking. Become very conscious about adjusting your thought processes. And and this way, you'll begin to look at your same set of circumstances from a new angle, a new perspective, this positive abundance perspective. And it's again, it's simply a way of looking at your situations that actually puts you in alignment with God. And so what you need to do, begin to do is feed this positive abundance perspective. And, 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 and again, the positive abundance perspective is not the attitude of golden corral. It's not going hog wild and living recklessly and hoarding all of the fried chicken product. It's, it's not this, this, this abundance perspective that's, that's there at all. That's a negative scarcity mentality. And the truth is, I do know that lack exists. I experience lack from time to time, and you do too. And it's not about just fake it till you make it, and, and I'm going to ignore these situations, and, 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 and I'm just going to just pretend like it doesn't exist. No, that's not, that's not right either. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a whole new approach. Back to the oxygen idea. Imagine you and I leave the church today, and we're going to walk down to the Sundance Square Plaza a few blocks away, and we're, we're, we're walking through Burnett Park, and all of a sudden, you're in the middle of the park, and it's nice, and, and you notice that you're breathing in, and you're breathing out, but then all of a sudden, you're like, wait, I'm standing beside you, and I'm breathing in, and I'm breathing out, but neither of us are gasping for air, neither of us are taking along bags trying to capture air during our walk so that we can keep it for later, and we, we both know that we need oxygen to survive, but neither you nor I are worried that there's going to be oxygen for both of us. Why? It's because the air is abundant. Now, if you're sitting here in this room, you're in a locked-up room, and, and we don't have it open to the outdoors, or maybe you're listening to the podcast, you're sitting in your car or in your office at a gym, and the truth is none of you have oxygen meters on you right now worried about whether there's enough oxygen in the, in the place where you are to sustain you. None of you. 
None of you, nor, nor do any, any of the people around you. No one is worried about that. In fact, you weren't even thinking about it until I mentioned it. You were completely unconscious of the fact that you were inhaling oxygen. And that's pretty incredible because, you know, oxygen is pretty important to us humans. In fact, I, my, my studies say that, that, and that you will naturally consume about 550 liters of pure oxygen a day. And if you exercise, that number is going to go way, way up. But it's not just for you. Everyone is consuming their 550 liters minimum. And if you're at the gym, playing ball, riding your bike, all of a sudden now you're using massive amounts of oxygen. And now we're in a big city with all these people around us. All these people are breathing. There's density. What's going to happen? Nothing. Nothing. Because we can have as much as we want. There's an abundance of oxygen so we don't panic. And if you're wise, you'll begin to apply this principle into all areas of your life. God owns everything. He created everything. He's your father. He lives in you. Feed these truths into your life, and, and you'll begin to move into this positive abundance perspective. Now, here, this is important. Your personal worth and your security actually feeds this positive abundance perspective. And the opposite is, is basically a lack of self-worth and purpose and a general sense of insecurity, and that's going to fuel scarcity all the time. Remember when I did the series on labels, and, and we talked about tearing off the old labels called Limitless? And, well, that series is kind of a precursor to this series. It's, it's about changing the way that you look at yourself because this positive abundance perspective really flows out of a deep center, not a deep center, but a deep inner sense, not a deep center, a deep inner sense of personal worth and value and purpose and security. See, people who have this security actually act different at their core, and we can too. We basically know there's plenty out there and there's plenty to spare for everyone. The attitude shares prestige, it passes along recognition, it shares profits, it doesn't hoard decision-making, it's an approach to life. Generosity is that key characteristic. I'm telling you guys, that's the person that I want to be. It all starts with me knowing who God is and allowing God to provide me with my personal worth and security. It's this attitude of this. We always have enough when God is our supply. It's the attitude of this is the Lord's supply is endless. And his delivery of that supply comes to us. And, and we don't have to fear and live in anxiety and, and worry about self-preservation. No, because we're secure. We have value and worth because everything, we have our purpose in Christ. And that changes the whole approach to our lives. We don't have to be negative and unhappy anymore. See, this positive abundance mentality actually separates the happy people from the unhappy people. If I had to choose between being happy and unhappy, which am I going to choose? Which one are you going to choose? You're definitely going to choose happy. Yet, here's the truth. You know as well as me, there are a lot of unhappy people around. They seem to enjoy being unhappy. And what happens is they tend to act out and be selfish and fearful and isolated, and they always see the cup as half full. I'm telling you guys, don't be that guy. Let me just be a little more bold. That's not even Christian. That's part of our challenge. But before you can enjoy this positive abundance perspective, you need to take full responsibility for your life. Understanding things are going to happen beyond your control, but you have a responsibility toward how you're going to respond and then lean into God. And no one else can do that for you. This positive abundance perspective requires you to stop making excuses for your action or even making excuses for your inaction and stop blaming other people. 
because blamers are grouches. When, we, when I was a, a kid, we not a kid. When, when I had my, my children were small and and I was a young parent, we 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 taught our kids you don't want to be a grouch pouch, and that was the word we used. And, and occasionally they the, the 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 kids would come home from school and say, my teacher was a grouch pouch today, and it was kind of funny. I was like, well, let's not call it that. But but you know the truth is the happiest people that I know have a positive abundance perspective on life. So smile, get that smile out, laugh a little, and begin to notice how your perspective is going to change. One of the ways to do this is appreciate with your words. Let people know how much you value them, who they are. It's gonna influence your happiness, and you're gonna see everyone lifted around you. Uh, Another way to do this is to seek out opportunity. Uh, look for opportunities. When there's an obstacle, flip it. Make it something that's going to change. And just, just say, I see this now as an opportunity instead of an obstacle. And, and that could be on our, your ministry team, in your office, with your family, with your small group. And you'll find how quickly problems dissolve when you see things as opportunities rather than obstacles. Another thing is to select your buddies. Select your buddies. Mindsets are contagious. Limit your time with the grouch pouch. <laughs> Reduce the amount of time that you spend with people who always whine about the glass being half empty. Because a negative attitude is very contagious. You ever been in a positive environment and someone walks in with a negative attitude and all of a sudden the whole place is pulled down? <laughs> oh, it is. It's powerful. When somebody complains, you are very likely to get infected with their complaints. And the only thing that you can do about that is just to change your heart and change your mind. And I'd want to have those healthy responses for me. So bottom line is complainers, they basically have this illusion of scarcity. And I want you to run from the complainers. And I want you to feed your positive perspective. One of the ways we're going to do that here in just a second is just to worship and give thanks here at the close of our service. Refuse to let fears of lack devour you. And as we wrap up this time of, 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 to, of being together today, lift your heart, lift your hands. Thank God for the blessings that have already come your way and watch God reach down to you. It's funny because Preston, my, my oldest son, uh, he, he, when he was a little kid just learning how to talk, he would reach up his hands, like Caitlin mentioned earlier, he would reach up his hands, and, but he would say, hold you, hold you. I don't know what he was saying at first, but he was saying, hold you. He, because I would, I would say, do you want me to hold you? And so, yeah, okay, hold you. Yeah, that's what I want. And who can say no to that? And that's what God wants from us. Another way to feed this positive abundance perspective is simply to give what you want. You're going to learn more about this, but one of the best ways to increase it is, is to be a giver. If you don't feel like you have enough time, slip away and help somebody in need regardless. If you don't feel like you have enough money, Give something to someone who's less fortunate. Don't feel like you have enough love coming into your life. Give unconditional love to a specific person who doesn't even deserve that love. Give what you want. Give what you need. In other words, be a river and not a reservoir. Give. Give. That's an abundant way to live. Feel a lack of compassion in your life? Go show some compassion to some other people. You don't get enough respect? Begin showing respect to people around you. I'm telling you guys, that's what we call Christianity. So when we live as Christians, we do this with our actions because we know this. We always have enough when God is our supply. I like this scripture. I want to share this with you. Jeremiah 29, 11. It was written to God's people when they were in a big mess, a really tough spot. And here it is. God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you future and a hope. Guys, that's one of the top verses in my life, and that's an awesome promise from God. It really, really is. 
God's plans for me are for good and not for evil because he wants to provide me with hope and a bright future so I can keep getting his work done. And I love doing that. I'm going to keep making Jesus known until I'm in heaven because we always have enough when God is our supply. Will you stand with me? We're going to move into a time of singing right now. And before we move into this, I'm going to read you a scripture. It's not on the screens, but I want you just to listen to this. It's a message paraphrase of Psalm 23. Listen to this. Listen to this. Psalm 23 is good. It says, God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me cool pools to drink from. And true to your word, you let me catch my breath and you send me in the right direction. And even when my way goes through Death Valley, I'm not afraid because you're walking by my side. Your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. You even serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You lift my drooping head and my cup brims over with blessings. Your beauty and your love chase after me every day of my life, and I keep coming back home to the house of God, and I will for the rest of my life. That's the picture of a God we serve. One of the most popular scriptures in the Bible, understandably so.